Thank you for downloading this Easter edition of the Backstage with the Simple Church podcast. We've got a packed house in the room because Justin, lead pastor Justin Hagler, we just made an exciting announcement. Hey, it's pretty awesome. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for coming to Easter. And if you, whether it's in town or you watch or listen online, thanks for being a part of that as well. we got a room full of people. It's not just me, right, That's Evan? right. Absolutely. Let's introduce your brother first. Yeah, look at him. There he is. They look know John. Longtime podcaster. That's right. It's not my first rodeo. Yeah. <laughs> We've, we're uh, famous or notorious, either way, for my dad's podcast. Or infamous. Yes. Yeah. Well, it could be no One of the most downloaded podcast. ever. If you haven't yeah, that, right. we'll put the, a link in the show notes. Yeah, go back sure. and look, listen to me and John talk about my dad. <laughs> with Interview my dad, which is hilarious. But thank you, John for being here. Yes, sir. Executive pastor extraordinaire. That's mm. right. And then the other two, new to the podcast. Let's go, Bill. First time ever. Let's give him a little round that's of applause. Right. Can we put in a little soundtrack there? <laughs> there Jordan, you got go. that. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, thank you. Yeah, you got Bill Allred. Bill right. Allred and Eddie Faith and are both part Eddie Faith. of the directional leadership team. Just real quick, give them a summary. If somebody doesn't know Simple Church, they are behind the scenes. You would not probably know them, but they are a big part of how we got to where they we are. They are a huge part, and it's not BLT, Bacon, Lettuce, Tomatoes. No, yes. it's directional leader team, leadership team, DLT. So when we started Simple Church in 2007, the goal was not to make it a pastor-led, one guy makes all the decisions mainly for the health and the long-term status, the long-term health of the church, to have multiple opinions and multiple insights. And these have been long-term friends, long-time Christian guys, all business leaders in the community, uh, just huge influences in my life personally. And then to have them on a team to help us make big decisions was a big value for me. And they have been crucial and instrumental in the beginning and still currently this day, all the way from the very start till today. So, Bill, tell them who you are and where you work now and what you did before. That way I give them a little bit of background. I can do it. Um, Bill Allred, I currently work in IT with Citizens National Bank. I'm a 36-year educator, retired from Bossier Parish Schools. Did um, My middle school, school principal. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Cope Middle School. Cocooners. Can we go into any of that later? We won't, will we? I got in on trouble one time. <laughs> hey, he remembers. Bill yeah. doesn't. Right. And, uh, yeah, school administration, IT for them, um, loved our career, counted myself as an educator and IT professional. Awesome. See, and that's why we love him, man, because he brings in a perspective that is needed. And in our illustrious career of Simple Church, we've needed a lot of that wisdom. Bill always brings information, always gives us an insight that really is very, very helpful. So we're Super grateful. Reads for that. more books than just about any person I know. Yes, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Mentors, mentors. Uh, you know, our student pastor. He takes care of so many different things for sure. Eddie Faith, come on, Eddie. Tell them who you are. What you do. Oh well, I'm I'm a I don't know probably fifty years with uh, Shreveport Communications, family-owned business. Uh, been involved in it heck since I was in middle school. And, uh, now, what is Shreveport Communication for people that don't know? Explain. Oh, they're they're a company that provides all the radios for the police department, the fire department, Barksdale Air Force Base, businesses, all that kind of stuff, including the Simple Church. We needed radios. That is correct. <laughs> we came to Eddie and said, "Eddie, we need a lot of radios." <laughs> yep we we have about sixty. Yep. Yeah, and that's just so you sell, you service all of that for all of those departments. And we've known each other, just like Bill, for a long time. How long we've known each other, you think, Bill? I mean, I'm sorry, Eddie? 
Wow. When did you start at the 90, first Baptist? 93. Since 93. There you, there you go. So that goes along. I made a, 30 years. I made messes there, and you cleaned them up. No, you didn't make any messes. You were always great. He was in student ministry leader. We that's volunteered to right. help each other in there. So awesome. So anyway, so that's just to give you a little. There's a total of nine of us now in the uh, directional leadership team. These are two of them. There's some other great guys on that team as well. But we brought them in specifically today to help us because we're talking about this big move and it's pretty exciting but it is also uh unprecedented for us so we have a huge opportunity to um really do something we never thought we'd ever chance to do so we're going to talk a little bit about that so evan hit, hit us with some questions let's try to answer some of them for all these wonderful listeners on our podcast absolutely so simple church is 16 years old never had this we've been portable we've been moving eddie and bill you guys helped launch the church you were a part of that from the beginning as we go back and look at that, Eddie, something you said yesterday when we were talking about the podcast was you guys had a dream of doing church different. Can you kind of recap that a little bit of when you were talking with Justin about how church could be? Yeah, I was, uh, I, obviously I was involved in the youth program. I was one of the teachers for many years. And and uh, if you know Justin, you know him well, he, uh, he uses words to think. He thinks out loud. I think words. out loud. Verbal yeah. processing. Verbal <laughs> processing stuff. And we used to, uh, before on Wednesday nights, before church, uh, for youth programs, we would get together and we would just dream about what church could look like. And um, we, just, we just dreamed of, you know, what about these people that don't go? What about these people who feel very strongly that they don't have the right clothes or the right look or they've messed up in their life and they don't know what to do. Uh, they just don't feel comfortable walking into a church with their past. And all of us know what the Bible says about that. You know, we're, we're a hospital, you know? And so we, we all looked and decided that that's what we should do. We should uh, uh, build a church where we, I'll let Justin go into how all that happened, but we just dreamed. That's what we dreamed. And then many people asked me, they said, well, how could you go from a church that you were involved in for so long, involved uh, uh, doing things and everything? And I found myself that I was, um, I was one of those guys that just got to the point I just walked through the door, walk in, sit down, uh, wasn't really making a difference in my life or anybody else's life. And that's one of the areas that we talked about is let's be a church that people get involved, people volunteer, people go out and work in, uh, you know, services and, and do things to solve problems. So anyway, that's that's my story. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that when you look back at the beginning – it was just people like Bill and Eddie and others brainstorming, thinking about what could be or what should be when it comes to church. So early on, you know, you didn't really know exactly what that was going to look like. Everybody always thinks like, well, you got it all figured out or we, to be honest, we don't, we, we had ideas, we had thoughts, we had dreams, but we never thought we'd be in an arena like <laughs> coming out of everybody walking out of here. And now this is our 12th, 13th year, something like that. We've been in the arena you just didn't never think that was possible. You were just hoping to, you know, some people would come. We even looked at where we would meet stuff, and it was real small places. We just didn't think we would ever grow to the size that it is or have the impact that it's had. 
But where Eddie is right, the basic premise was it's not about us. Said it over and over again at the beginning. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. And the reason why is we were all church people. So if you come from the church, it's always about you. It's what you like. It's what you want. It's where you, you know, I want to be comfortable. I want it to look like the I want music it to look. Like I, like. I want the music I want. I want the preacher I want. I want everybody. And the irony is, is Christianity, it's the opposite of that. Christianity is about death to self. It's about sacrifice. It's about service. It's about commitment. It's about, you know, others first at a level that doesn't even make sense. And we've not been perfect at that by a long shot, but where I'm grateful for Bill and Eddie and the team of guys that have been put together is they're the ones that hold that commitment and they, and they, you know, hold us each accountable. All of us hold each other accountable to this is bigger than us. It's not just about it. It's for future generations. As Bill talks about a lot, it's for the outsider that doesn't come. It's for the community. It's for the you know underprivileged parts of the world it's for neighborhoods and the rich community to the poor community where they just don't feel like it's relevant anymore uh it's for all of us and we did not want to be insider focused we wanted our very best to be outsider focused the way jesus was when he came and he calls us to and challenges us to and so i can't thank these guys enough for being a part of that but Eddie is instrumental in that. His father was instrumental in showing us that. Leroy's been that way. He was always caring about other people. One of my first events, and I won't go into this long, but Leroy's, you know, maybe in his latter days. I mean, his health is going bad. We're working through all that, and it breaks all of our hearts. We're walking him, you know, with him through all that. But I can remember one of the first events is we did a Christmas tree. It was an angel Christmas tree, and we were in the gym at First Bossier. And Leroy is one of the main guys who kind of organized and helped do all that. Well, as a young minister, there weren't many opportunities in a current model of the church that we were in that we could do that. But when you experience those moments of sacrifice or service or meeting the needs of other people through the example of Leroy uh, Juarez going down to Amigo Field early on, commitment to the faith family, uh, we begin to see and experience what was often missed by just sitting and listening to a song or listening to a sermon. That was great. Where are we going to eat? Bill was instrumental, and I'll let Bill go into this. We come early on. We're in the seminary. He's like, man, we need to do water. There are a lot of people that need water around the world. Let's let's solve that problem. Let's be a part of that. Well, I'd never been to drill a water well anywhere in my life. Bill was the first to go. And then I quickly wanted to get on the next one. And then we've been doing that consistently now for years. Yes, for what it does for them, because it's not about us. But selfishly, I can tell you, every time we sacrifice or serve or did something for someone else, God always gives us something that uh, goes beyond words for personally where you are. And I did not get that just by listening to a sermon or by listening to songs. I got that when I put myself in a position of service. And these guys have led that. They've set that example. Their families have set those examples. And that's, as a church, what we're trying to continue to do as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, Bill, we're going to go to you. And if you're listening to this, you're like, okay, when are we going to talk about the boardwalk? We're going to get there. It's we a are. big move, but we want to give you the context. If you're new to Simple Church, you've been coming for a couple of years. This is a longer-form conversation. You can hear things you wouldn't hear in other places. And, Bill, you've been around since the beginning. What was it that made you jump in and help to launch Simple Church to make that big move when it was getting going? Well, Eddie alluded to it. We spent that time in late 2006 sitting around talking about what could be. And just like the pastor says, just for the record, we, we way, our dream was way small compared to what God had intended to do. Um, we just were blown away time and time again. And each time he mentions water, that'd be one example, but 
uh, my first trips to Juarez, I, I was challenged and stretched. That time by my daughter asked me to go. Um, all of our friends, Bill McConaughey, stretched us to go places we had not considered before. Uh, water happened to be that one. We, we get to go to Rwanda 2009. We watched people everywhere you looked uh, gathering water, spending all their time gathering water, which seems so illogical to us. And uh, came back and found a ministry and a partner and found the opportunity to go, like Justin said, to Honduras in 2011. And now 12, 15 wells later and um, fast friends down there that we can return and go every time. And they can count on us as it means the world to us. So um, each and every time, there, there are times when you get involved and you get invested, you will get stretched and you will be uncomfortable. And that is all good. Yeah, and I'll just throw in on that because it, it goes along with where we're going with the boardwalk. It goes along with the announcement. If you're going to follow Jesus, and these guys have shown me this, and we would all testify to this, you don't always know exactly what that's going to look like. He's telling you to follow him, and you don't know where he's necessarily going. You, you know that it's going to be uncomfortable as bill said it will stretch you and it will require sacrifice but it will be life-changing and there will be rewards that you never thought were possible and never dreamed you would be receiving and i can look at simple church that has been the fact i mean we had no idea none of us were smart these were all very educated very successful men in this community that i respect and look up to because they're just a little bit older than me They've accomplished way more than me. So that's why we put them on the team is because of their walk with Christ, because of their accomplishments in the community, because of their service, you're saying, hey, these are the people we want. But I can tell you, without fail, none of us knew what was going to happen. We were, were looking. We, we were making donut decisions sometimes and thinking, ah, okay. what? But then God was always meeting our needs or exceeding our needs or stretching us, as Bill said, whether that's a water well or moving to the theater for the first time or moving to the bar when we ran out of room in the in, from the theater to the bar. They're all equal in the faith element that was involved, whether it's going to Honduras or Africa or Juarez, or, hey, we really don't know how we're going to pull this off. Uh, I go back to Africa, for example. The first time we decided to go in 2009, we didn't have the money. And someone came in. They had put a cell tower on their property. They came in and said, hey, man, I know this is random, but I'd like to tithe on the, the cell tower. And it gave us enough money to g launch a vision trip, which now we've been faithful to go to Africa in a relationship with Africa New Life for all these years. Sponsored, Sponsored hundreds, hundreds kids, and hundreds yeah. of kids. I think $1.2 million or something when we did our 10-year evaluation been put into child sponsorship through the Simple Church, whatever. And I'm going, nobody saw that. We were just going, let's go help. Let's go solve the problem. Let's represent Christ in a way. Uh, through service and through sacrifice and see what happens. Well, it's that little bit of stepping out in faith, and then God comes in and goes, okay, here's how I'm going to do that. Here's what I'm going to do. When we were going to the bar, we were going to uh, launch Regal 9. They're, these are all campuses that the Simple Church had early on. We were making early moves. I remember Chip saying, uh, who's you know on our technical team and the media advisor, and me and lifelong friends have known him, same thing, over 30-something years. And he's like, you can't do it, Josh. We can't launch another campus. We don't have the equipment. We don't have this. We don't. And I'm like, man, I really feel like we have to. It made all of us uncomfortable. There were going to be sacrifices. And then literally within a few days, 
uh, another church, friends of ours in the t- in town said, hey, man, we have a trailer. Would y'all happen to be interested in buying this? And then everybody looks and we go, we got to come up with the money, which we didn't have, but God provided what we did not know was possible. And then we had to rally, sacrifice, give that, which then helped us to launch Tinseltown, Regal 9, the bar. You know, it's like all of these moves, we really weren't sure how it was going to happen. You just kind of stepped out in faith, trusting that God was going to come through, and he provided through other people's sacrifice, through other people's commitment, whether it's cleaning the bar, giving a little money uh, to make it happen. There were so many different things in my mind as we're reflecting all that and as we're leading up to the boardwalk. All of this comes back to we're not smart, (laughs) we're not the best at this, but we absolutely trust God, and we want to follow what he's asking us to do. I just add to that too. It sounds like we're just guessing, and you'd say that there was a pretty good bit of research going into that. One of the things that talked about where um, there's more information, even about how to do church um, ideas to pull from online and off. And we spent time. We visited churches, Colorado, Washington, different places. We go to conferences. We'd see small things that makes our hospitality better or our, you know, our first experience. And we tweak those. We do bathrooms the way we do at, at church because we saw somebody else do it and we want it to be excellent. So all of those things do get some research and thought to them. That they're, but again, we're, we're learning from people a little ahead of us sometimes. Sometimes we're ahead of them at this point uh, being innovative and not for innovation's sake, but really because it's, it is reaching the unchurched. And we have an opportunity here, kind of segue to the, back to the boardwalk, is um, to consider a church kind of in the marketplace where people are, where people could providentially cross paths with Christ. And that's not what they set out to do on that day is, is very appealing you know, for us. And, and that doesn't necessarily happen to the average church on an isolated campus buffered by a big parking lot. We, we have the opportunity to maybe do that a little different in a way that um, makes it be approachable for, for people that either know they're coming for it or happen upon it. And that's kind of exciting. No, I think that's great. And I think it's both and, right? It's doing the work. It's trying to do the research. It's trying to prepare as much as we can. And John, we're going to talk to you about that because you're kind of the guy that makes a lot of stuff happen behind the scenes that people don't see. You do as much as you can, but ultimately you have to step out on faith. You have to trust that God's going to take care of it because we're not big enough. We're not smart enough. We don't know. And you work and research and do stuff, but then the theater calls out of the blue that you had called and reserved for a year before when something happens. You go to the bar. The guy goes and you knock on the door, not knowing him, and just say, can we rent this space to have church in a bar? And he comes back and gives you the key. Over and over again, being around for almost since the beginning, I've seen those stories on the inside. And it's like, we don't know what's going to happen. And you were great at casting the vision, Justin, of this is what we want to do. This is what I feel like God's leading us to do. Not always right, not 100%, but a lot of times when we've tried to follow God to serve people, to meet needs, to do those things, God has showed up and said, okay, I got you. Yeah, and I think why Bill's saying that, and, and I agree to 100% with what you're saying is, uh, you know, when we launched the church, I did go to a conference to go through Saddleback, Rick Warren and those guys, and it was like the how-to. Uh, and you kind of write down some ideas or some thoughts. But 
what I don't want people to think is, is that, and this is just because it, it's probably just my personality too, is man, we're just really know we're, you know, we're the experts. We figured this out and we know this is going to work and man, just trust us. And because what I really have seen is I don't want to ignore the research and I don't want to ignore it. Like Bill saying, we're going to go learn. We're going to go see we're going. But I, when I look back at how it worked, None of us, I'll give you a good example. None of us thought of the convention center before we moved to the convention center. And there how was, did that happen? There was no one in the group. So we had all these campuses. You had, uh, you know, Tinseltown, you had Regal 9, Three you theaters, had the bar, you had and Regal, you know, uh, the boardwalk. That's where we launched. Well, the convention center, how it happened was I go to do a wedding and a friend, Tom Meehan, worked there. He's actually helps us a little bit over in Dallas with some of the Dallas campus stuff. But Tom was there, and he's like, man, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, oh, i got to do a wedding. He's like, why don't you move here? And I'm like, why would I move here? Why would we move here? Man, I'm telling you, it's just big enough. I think it could be awesome. You could do blah, 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 blah. He was going through all these ideas. Well, then I brought it back to the directional leadership team because we were running out of money. We couldn't really afford to do all of the campuses that we were doing at the level we wanted to. And it was an opportunity that God opened up. And then through research, everybody going to look, looking at the data, and the possibilities, we make the leap, and we've been there now. How long, John, have we been there? Uh, 2011 Yeah, so we really started consistently. So 12 years. <laughs> longer than we ever at the theater. Yeah, longer than you ever at the theater. But I go back to you just didn't really know. God has been involved in all of these details. We've researched, you think, and then he'll open a door. He opens a door. He opens a door. And that's why we are where we are today is we are at the commission center. It's been a great experience. They do awesome at what they're doing. But when this opportunity came up to possibly move to the boardwalk, you're going, okay, God, what do you want us to do? Is this our chance? Is this an opportunity? And John maybe can kind of talk about some of the reasons that it was such a big deal. I have, obviously I could talk for days on why <laughs> I think this is important, but I'll let John take over from here of just going some of the positives of why we would even consider moving to the boardwalk. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, kind of similar to the backstories that you've heard in this podcast already is it's a perfect storm of opportunity. Uh, if you go back to 2011, when Justin talked about finding about the convention center, um, we were in a, a different growth pattern at that time. Um, and one of the things I chuckle about is we really were kind of forced to leave the Boardwalk Theater because their corporate office had uh, run across some footage from their security cam and saw the hallways and how congested they were in between those services and expressed a lot of concern about how many people were jammed in that building. At that point, you were the largest theater church in America. <laughs> right. Just for the record, that none <laughs> of us saw that coming either. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, you know, we, we were going to have to do something. It was definitely that time. And then, you know, Justin does wedding, and we get into the convention center, and we've had a lot of great years there. Um, and then along comes uh, COVID, honestly. And I joke about how many times COVID comes up in conversations of being, you know, future altering for people, either relationships or businesses or whatever. And uh, the cool part about having the convention center during COVID is we were able to right size down to a very small space and really start what is the virtual product now that has turned into a major component of what the church is. We didn't really see that coming. We, we always broadcast. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, no, I was just going to say to go to tag along with that, 
even during COVID, we moved from municipal yeah. <laughs> to the convention center sure. because the Shreveport and and the Shreveport Convention were just super kind to us to go, right. hey, how can we make this work? Because we had to get the video product out because at that time, it's all we had. Like 10 which, people in the building. Yeah, which we didn't even really know was going to be the future the way it is yeah, now. So we, and, yeah, we switched to the municipal uh, because we were able to leave it up. Uh, what was going on is the convention center actually was starting to get some customers back toward the end of the pandemic. And they were kind enough to switch it to the municipal because concerts were not happening at all. Mm-hmm. So that venue, we were able to set all our equipment up and, you know, for a period of time, which is very unusual for us, we were able to just walk in on a Sunday morning and record the product. And, you know, and that, that was a neat deal, a neat, unique chapter. And just along those lines, so that you have a context of what that means, when you say leave it up, there's about three semis of equipment it could be really four. We have other multiple vehicles that make up what would be the fourth that go up and come down from children's space to the main room, to the production, to the lobby. So there's a lot that goes into oh, yeah. setting up and tearing down. It's is a why team of yeah, 15 to 20 guys. It takes about four hours of work to do just it. Just in like the main a, room. Yeah, yeah, just one right. part of that. And hundreds realistically <laughs> Around do everything the in the rest of the building. But Absolutely. It gives you a little bit of a background of what he means by why we leave it up or tear yeah, it down. Yeah, and this podcast is is airing as Easter's wrapping up. So just so you know, listener, uh, it took 500 volunteers to pull off Easter, uh, 500 plus. But at our last count, there were 500 people. So, yeah, it's it's a big mobile operation uh, yeah. and has been since day one. And I don't know. There probably is. But in our area, I don't think there's anybody like this. For 16 years, it's been mobile. And in the last few years since COVID, we added things that made that more difficult to be yes. mobile because so, it was going to what's going to the people. So uh, a television production slash pre-show, right. audio, Jordan, them handle. We had to add all this other stuff because it's now going places we didn't even know it was going. Bill, you raised your hand. Yeah, I was just going to add about that. The times where we don't know how smart we were or we just got um, – you know, God saw COVID obviously coming, for example. Uh, we couldn't have foreseen that. And Evan, you'll remember, we decided on the last latest version of our app um, in January of that year, launched it, and it was integral. I mean, we absolutely, you know, made all the difference in the world. And I don't know, pretty quickly, we had a number you probably could give us of downloads and we had uses of it. 3,000 downloads in March 2020, and it's been 11,000 since. And the company that we used in March 2020 when the pandemic had had 2,000 churches on the waiting list to go launch. And we had launched it three months before. Well, and I'll just give Bill the credit on that. Where Absolutely. he Because of his technology background and the school system and what he does just in general, that's why you have him on a direct leadership <laughs> team is I'm not that smart. And God does gift us differently, and we have those abilities. And that's where I'm super grateful for that because Bill and with Evan's help, y'all are going, hey, this is what we got to do. But we did, as Bill said, we had no real idea how important that would be for the people in Dallas and Washington and St. Louis and Hawaii. And And now internationally. And internationally. Then I go back to, and we'll get into why the boardwalk's important, but all of this is really foundational because we're trying to understand what it means now what we thought in 2007 launching a church is radically different in 2023 as far as the impact it used to think well we'll kind of help this community 
And then all of a sudden you went, wait, there's people watching all over the U.S. And, oh, wait, there's people watching all over the world. Well, even the technology, you were recording on a physical card and driving it to other locations yeah, Eddie before we could that. stream. Eddie <laughs> was part of that. Yeah. You were the driver, Eddie. You're making sure the card gets there. If not, there's no sermon. And sometimes that train was a problem, wasn't it, Eddie? <laughs> it's pushing. It was. <laughs> yeah, and the police department. <laughs> <laughs> we don't well, have to say how fast you were going. Yeah, it's a good. Well, the reason I say that, if you don't know what we mean, is we would have to record the service at the boardwalk, and there was a literally like a flash drive, our little computer yeah. chip. Eddie would run out. We'd give it to him, and he would run and drive it to Tinseltown in South because the internet you was couldn't stream it. It's, no, there was no yeah. such thing really. Mm, yeah, you couldn't was, put them in theaters. You didn't really have. We couldn't afford the technology to do it. And I remember. I'll just remind everybody when we launched in two thousand seven, the iPhone launched in two thousand seven. Oh, we're the yeah. same age. We were the same time that technology was birthing itself in America at a level that was unprecedented. My phone was still black and white in 2007 because <laughs> I got pushed in a pool and it ruined it and I was stuck with a bad I just contract. go back to the technology and this is why Bill yeah. and Eddie and all the, and we've added Will Heflin's another guy on our DLT's young guy technology. You're trying to prepare for the future knowing that you have to have that to be a tool that is used by God to reach people in the kingdom that's... yeah. Unprecedented, yeah. and that and that kind of fits back into back to the question of why the boardwalk and how did that happen? So, because of the technology and because of a little bit of foresight in creating a product before the pandemic, but definitely investing in that product once the pandemic had hit, it kind of split our audience. For the first time in history, we didn't have just a live audience; we had live attenders, but we also have this large virtual attender now. And quite honestly, many of you listening are both. Some weekends you come in live and some weekends you're on vacation or you're on a business trip or your family's in town. Hawaii, right. Right. Or you just want to stay home and (laughs) enjoy it in the bed. I understand. understand. I ain't no (laughs) hate. I'm just thankful you watch. (laughs) But because of that new dynamic, the number of physical attenders on a weekend changed. And because it changed, we now had the opportunity to look at other opportunities of where we could meet. In the height of the physical attendance, you didn't have any other space in this city that had enough room for education space, preschool children, students, and our live attenders. So now that you have this virtual product, you have a smaller physical attendance group, and you're like, wait a minute, we can fit in some different spaces now. And then about that same time, as God has done all along the way, here comes the boardwalk. With a, with a possible space. And what's crazy about that, if you want to know where in the boardwalk, because I showed you some pictures in the service and it's available online, it is, ironically, where we first launched our expanded campus in the early days because it's the old bar slash old restaurant slash bowling alley. Bone, yeah. And, John, what most people can't wrap their head around, but it is very helpful at this point to add it, the square footage of the existing where we would be potentially moving in the boardwalk is what compared yeah, to where yeah, this, we are meeting This is now. a great, great point because I've had a few friends that have actually you know walked by the space since it's been mentioned. And the most common question I get is, there's no way we're going to fit in there. And it, I can understand because it does look small. But here's what's interesting. When you add the two floors together, it's exactly the size of one exhibit hall which is what we use right now on a Sunday morning. And we don't really use most of it. If you walk into the exhibit hall now, we have a lot of room (laughs) around those chairs. But then the other cool part is, so then the next question that comes up is preschool children because they look at the Destiny Day Spa building or or the old do-good store. 
and they go, man, we use the whole second floor of the convention center. Well, what it is, is we only use a portion of each room in that massive second floor. So we're going to take that portion that we use and we're going to create rooms that mimic that size. So it's a very workable plan that's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, and the big point on that, which Bill and Eddie, y'all feel free if you want, because we've been talking about this for, you know, now a while, is the biggest difference is we get the convention center for a couple of hours, three hours, four hours. Let me let me speak on that. Yeah, go ahead. Technically, uh, this makes people chuckle when I tell them this, but if they wanted to, our contract is only from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Sunday. That is literally the only time that we can be technically in the building by contract. So you're not even getting a full day of use. Now, we don't need it most days, but that's what we have agreed to right now. And that's going to lead to your point of how much you can use the other space. Yeah, and so then another huge plus for moving to the boardwalk is is that you get the space, which is all for preschool children, and the uh, cafe area out front seven days a week, 24 hours a day. <laughs> so it's it's pretty mind-blowing for us because we never thought we would be in the position that that would even be plausible or possible. And here we are going, wait a second, and comparable in price as far as why we would do it is because it is a good economic decision. I'll let John go off of this, but just real quickly, and then Bill and Eddie can add in anything they want to add in, is the concept of the fact that you're not you can do so many different things with that same amount of money that you have more time with now where before it's limited to just those few hours now it is limited to roughly the same amount of money for way more time way way more space uh throughout the entire week so you want to add on that yeah so so basically uh for what we pay in rent and their services, which includes labor and staffing and security and all of the things. Uh, we're in the process of working out a contract with the boardwalk that by the time you add utilities and other costs back in, they're going to be very comparable. So you're looking at seven days a week for the price of a half a day a week. And that's pretty awesome. <laughs> seems like a pretty good deal. It. Seems like a pretty good deal. Now, there's a lot of, you know, cost that are going to, we'll talk about in other episodes about what it's going to take to get that space ready. But we're just talking about on your month to month, once you occupy it, the costs are going to be very, very similar. And real quick, Evan, just along the line, and, and the other thing that's key here is we're not buying it. So the biggest question everybody gets is like, wait a second, right. I thought you'd never own a building. Well, technically, we still won't own the boardwalk. That we are right. signing a 20-year lease. Uh, and it's really a 10 and a five and a five. So somebody's, you know, specific, but what we're trying to do is still give us some flexibility depending on what's going to go on, but with also the stability. So in other words, there's flexibility, but there's stability. And in the current world coming out of COVID, the stability has been crucial for us because you add so many more things to the product that you want that. So if you're looking for that stability and we've been needing that, it gives us the, the opportunity to have that. That's right. Yeah, and most people don't realize, and we have two people that work in business every day, is most businesses don't own their buildings. Um, this shocked my wife, matter of fact. 
we were driving uh, past what used to be the old Brookshire's in Houghton. And uh, she used to work in that store when she was with that company years ago. And uh, it just so happens that where we record this podcast, um, the family that owns this building also owns that building. And she was like, really? I said, yeah, companies all of the time lease space that meets the business need at that time. And why do they do that? Flexibility. If that market changes, if the neighborhood changes, if the customers move more north of town, they just discontinue that lease when it expires and they build or they lease something new. So you guys can weigh in on that, but it isn't that uncommon. It's very uncommon for churches to do this. But because we've gone with this model, it has given us the ability to do and create a culture that is more about other people than ourselves. And that came up early in the podcast. But you can own big facilities and spend a lot of money on that and strap yourself financially, and you don't have the options to meet the needs in the community. And that's not something we desire to do. That's right. So I'm going to let Bill and Eddie have the last word because John hinted at it. This is multi-parts. There's going to be an ongoing weekly podcast talking about this. If you are burning with questions, you're like, well, you didn't answer my question. We're going to come back. We're going to do this every week and have different people come in to talk about it because it is a huge move. We set up a text line. So this will be in the show notes. And if you have a question you want to send in, the number is 1-866-458-2342. You can text the question. We'll pull some of the questions and try to answer all of your questions. And you'll see this on the social media posts and the different things. But, Bill, we'll go to you. And you printed off these quotes I think are great if you want to wrap up on just a closing thought of. You've put the backstory. Why are we doing this? We're getting to this point. The nuts and bolts are going to happen. We're going to explain that. There's an April 30th meeting. We would love to invite you to if you're in Shreveport, Bossier. We'll work on ways to stream that so you can be a part of it wherever you're at. But for you personally, as we close down today, what is it about these quotes? Why did you print this off? Why do you think this is such a big deal to move to the boardwalk? Well, this goes back to uh, our first meetings back again, 2006, and we're reading a book, studying a book by Erwin McManus called Chasing Daylight. And, uh, you know, just the idea of moving people from the possibility of being unchurched to followers of Christ, this seven-day-a-week opportunity to move people along on their faith journey on how to be a better parent, better spouse, a better friend, how to be selfless. Those are all opportunities that get created because we have more time, and time is so, so precious. But I'll, I'll just go back to one that, people really should be thinking about because I'm speaking to them. And Erwin McManus says here, there are things that must be done today, things that you and you alone were created to accomplish. Some of us are wasting our time burning daylight when what we need to be doing is seizing the power of every moment. And I think that's where we're at, an intersection of moments where we get to think about what could be again. And that's pretty exciting for me. Absolutely. Eddie, any closing thoughts on that? Sure. Uh, it, it's one thing to own a building that you say you have for seven uh, days, 24 hours a day. But I think what it does is is gives us an opportunity that we can meet a lot of needs in the community. I think we can open it up for uh, certain kind of meetings. And I even heard somebody other day made a comment, well, we can, we can use it for... Uh, someone that wants to learn more about Jesus and on the other side of it, we can have a class that's heck cooking with Jesus. You know, we can do just about anything. And that's what I'm excited about. That's cool. Absolutely. So Justin, 
closing thoughts on this first episode. They're going to come back for more next week, but it's a big deal. We're excited in the side of the church. We hope you're excited listening. If you're going to tell them one thing to walk away with today as they are leaving, they're getting ready on Easter, what do you want them to leave with this podcast? Tune back in. There you go. <laughs> well, the main reason why is because it's a lot of information, and obviously we believe God has led us to this place. He has been super faithful to us. Uh, it takes some faith. It takes the trust. It takes these steps. And we're going to need people to go with us. There's no way just this small group of people uh, can do it by ourselves. This whole journey has been about a group of people trusting God to do what no no one individual could do. It's no different now. We need everybody to go, man, what's my part? How can I you know, play my part? And what can I do to be a part of what he's going to do? Because I believe he's going to do something really cool, something special. And we need them. And we want to answer your questions and prepare you so that you can um, join us and look back as we look back over the past 16 years and thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been baptized. They've given their life to Christ. You know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people have come to church that never would have come to church. Uh, we've seen countless projects that whether that's kid getting, you know, kids getting shoes in our community or water being provided or feeding people. All of the, these things come together because a group of people are committed to something bigger than themselves, and they're committed to that sacrifice, and this will be no different. We're going to have to be committed. We're going to have to make some sacrifices to move forward to do what we really feel like God's asking us to do. And we look back, I think we're going to go once again, man, our God's big. He can do some awesome things, and it's pretty fun to follow him too. I like it. Absolutely. For it. I'm thankful because all of you were leaders when I was a kid, when I was growing up, and now I'm raising my kids in Simple Church. John did make student ministry. He was one year. He was out. One, one year. One him. and done. But <laughs> I want to be a part of what's going forward. I want our kids for this next generation to be going forward, and we're excited. The people I've talked to are excited, and we hope you're listening are excited so we can try to keep following God, what he wants to do with us in this next big move. So we thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can get this episode, and then when you get the subscription button. It gets you automatically the next week if you're new to podcast. Maybe some of you downloaded this for the first time ever. Thanks for listening. You can go back and listen to any of the other podcasts. Great content every week, but we're excited specifically about this series coming up. We're going to be back with more information about the boardwalk next week. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.